right. <laughs> it's a pot smoking moms podcast, and we're your two favorite pot smoking moms, Sunny Dean and Captain J. And we are so glad you made it today. Uh, we, if, if you enjoy our show, by all means, please do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Tell somebody, share our show, give us some some feedback, or you know, drop us a what is it called? A review. A review. <laughs> yes. If you do drop us a review, let us know. DM us so we could send some stickers out to you as a as a token of our appreciation. Or you could always email us as well at potsmokingmoms at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you need to get in touch with us or if you want to look around and see what, uh, past episodes and whatnot, you can go to potsmokingmoms.com. That's the website. If you don't have something to smoke, come on, bring it. We got a little something to smoke. We hope you could join us. Here we go. We want to give a big thank you to our smoke sesh sponsor, Fluent Cannabis. They got some good shit. You should check them out. Actually, we have our their rewards linked up on our website. If you want to go ahead and sign up for those, that way every time you make a purchase, you get a little bit in your bucket for something, a little something for free. Uh, what you got there? What are you smoking on today, I Jane? have some Gary Payton in my little bong bowl here. Uh, it's a soothing indica-leaning hybrid strain from the legendary growers of Freedom Town. Its positive influence will set you in a witty mood. The smell is like a spicy herbal smell, a uh, kind of fuel like Petro. And um, yeah, the nice. effects are supposed to be heavy, calm, happy, hungry. I got some of that too myself this week. Uh, Gary Payton, you know, he's a basketball player. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's why they're, <laughs> oh, I didn't put it in here, but oh. they had some like game winning puns at the beginning of oh, the description. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you want a winning uh, feeling. <laughs> Slam dunk with this train. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, I have been actually enjoying a little 10 pack of fluent minis. They're these little pre-rolls, super convenient. Um, oh they're tiny, like it's an eighth, right? But you get 10. 0.35 gram uh little pre-rolls. shorties pre-rolls oh, that's like the perfect size for one yeah i usually like tap it out uh, turn it on and turn it off a couple times so this is like the perfect i could smoke through uh one whole thing of these nice so uh cheers cheers oh this is original blueberry by the way right yeah i had some of that last week we had some of that yeah you had that flower on the show last week I'm telling you, these little pre-rolls super convenient. Sweet. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We got a very special uh, guest on our show. She's been on our show before, Jody James. She's a member of the board of directors for Florida Can, uh, Florida Cannabis Action Network. Uh, and chair of Floridians for Freedom, a committee organized to put the right of adults to cannabis on the Florida ballot as opposed as a proposed constitutional amendment. So, so stay tuned to to hear Jody's interview. Yeah, it's always great to have her on the show. She's very knowledgeable. Yes, she, well, a resource, <clears throat> huge. 
And we want to give a special Research. thank you to our patrons, our very um, most loyal supporters, I got to say. <laughs> if it wasn't for you guys, we probably wouldn't keep going. Yeah. You really encourage us to keep going. Um, and you're probably watching this show now because you get the video version of our site. If you're interested in becoming a patron, you can visit our website or it's also linked in our um, bio link and our social medias. Yeah, and uh, if you're a patron, you get a discount. Um, on all sorts of stuff. On right? all sorts of stuff, events, whatnot. Um, merch when we start merch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start it back over again. <laughs> start it again. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you can't contribute that way and be a patron, that's okay. Uh, you're ra rating our show, reviewing our show, sharing our podcast, or any of our social media posts is phenomenal. We appreciate that. Like we said earlier, send us your information if you've done that. If you've left a review on like Apple Podcast, and we will, we would love to send you some stickers. Yes, because on the review, we don't like have your email or way to contact you. It would be a guessing game to be able to figure out exactly who you were, unless it's obvious by the name. So right. be sure to like email us or DM us. Yeah, we want to get you that sticker. And as a patron, you'd get a uh, discount on an event. We actually have our our Bud Crawl coming up this weekend. If you are in the Orlando area or if you're in Central Florida, uh, check it out. Uh, hit us up. You know, um, this weekend it's finally here. I know tickets are still on sale. You can still make it. Yes, I think we put up until the day before 11 a.m. Uh, tickets like to up to 24 hours before the event. Well, but like that's kind of cutting it close because you know we want to provide um, just for a fast checkout. We want to provide a list to the dispensary yeah of so who's coming in yeah so jump on board uh buy a ticket uh we're gonna stop at true leave uh binsk is gonna be there you know they always bring the party mm. we're gonna be uh stopping at move and liberty health sciences and then we're gonna go to chiba hut to finish it out for some delicious munchies yeah we got some oh my god the karaoke lineup we got a lot of really good songs already um, hey, all of that stuff is included in your ticket. So you get entertainment, snacks, swag bag, exclusive discounts at each stop. We got a really cute tour t-shirt and you're going to fucking, you're going to love and chill Chiba with us. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, right. We're the cherry on the top of the cake. Get to party with us for a couple, few hours as we, you know, karaoke it up. Oh man, karaoke. I'm, that's my that's I know my that's jam. your jam. I know you love I was it. Testing the microphones <laughs> out. We got some nice mics, you know, testing those out. So I had another party this weekend for uh, I had another Halloween party. Well, you had gotten after Halloween thrown all around. So you had to re because of the covids. Yeah. Since we missed uh, my son's birthday because of the covids, uh, we rescheduled for this past weekend, the weekend after Halloween. And I rescheduled forgetting that my husband was going to be out of town that day. So then I was like, but you oh. were like, it's now or never, bro. Yeah. I'm not going to keep fucking pushing yeah, this back. It's it's not going to happen if I don't do it now. So I still did it and it was exhausting. I, I thought I was going to die by oh, the end no. of the day. It was so exhausting doing everything. How many kids came? Uh, I made 12 goodie bags, 10 bags left, 10 kids. That's still fucking plenty. Yeah. 10 kids. Um, and you know, all their parents. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably more than the 10 kids. <laughs> yeah. Cause right. it, you know, two of them, some, in some cases, 
but we had a couple patrons again. Nice. Uh, Yanni and Jenny came with their kiddos and it was fun. We had a great time. It's cool to see our kids play together and have fun. I know it's excellent. I would have been here. I had made uh, plans to go to another birthday party for uh, uh, one of our neighbors for a little girl who's friends with Sloan. We went to um, one of those like indoor playground places. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. <clears throat> we saw, you know, there's always, I don't know if it's me, how I always kind of end up, uh, an extra kid ends up hopping along and tagging along. Or or just like when you go to these places like Chuck E. Cheese, there's like that random ass kid that latches on and like is always trying to play the games that you're playing or, or you know, and you don't want to be mean and be like, hey, dude, if I wanted a third kid, I would have had one. Get out of the way. Like, please let us do our thing here. But this little kid was up in everybody's business and I was cracking up because all the parents were like, who the fuck is this kid? I'm like, oh, this kid is not part of the party. (laughs) And they're like, no, he's just. And we saw him jumping into everybody's party, bro. Trying to he was take going goodies. from party to party. Bro, that guy was going from oh, party to party. Oh my god, he's a part a kids party crasher. He is a party crasher. I was like telling one of That's the dads, hilarious. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the mom drops him off every weekend and is like, "Hey, I'll come back in a few hours. Oh, Have fun." M-G. And then she just leaves him there, and he just is like, uh, he felt like uh, Poor kid. I don't know. It felt like he was like a. Uh, I don't know. Like he was like, you know, playing dice in the back and like uh, selling a couple baggies to some of the parents. This kid was like seven or six. That's so funny. But this kid looked like he had more street smarts than all of us combined. We were just like, what is this kid? (laughs) He's just like hijacking everybody's game. Oh, he's a little hustler. He was a super hustler. We were playing, you know, a little duck game where you like the little claw machine. And then Mm -hmm. since it's for little kids, like they let them play and play and play until they get a duck. Mm -hmm. This kid wanted a Minecraft duck. And he was like, yeah, get the, what are the Minecraft, what are the blockheads called in Minecraft? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Weren't you one for Halloween one year? One oh, of those you things? mean the creepers? A creeper. Yeah, yeah. He kept going. I want the creeper. I want the creeper. And I was kind of going to, I wanted to turn around and be like, well, then get your mommy over here and get her to get you a creeper because <laughs> I'm not your mommy. But uh, <laughs> Robert's really nice. My husband. I guess he let the kid play because after a while, I was just like, let me get out of here before something i say something because whatever i'm trying to be nice like i know it's a kid but at the same time like uh like leave me alone oh my god so uh i was like uh robert you could deal with this i'm out of here like i'm gonna take the other kid somewhere else so then apparently he comes back afterwards and he's like yo this kid not only got the a duck he didn't want but when the duck came out, he literally, he grabbed the duck. He said, oh, man. And he fucking chucked it. Oh, my God. And I was like, off on our money, he fucking grabbed the duck. He, he's like, yes. <laughs> it was our swipe for the duck machine. And the freaking kid grabbed the duck. I was like, I don't like this one. He tossed it. Like the, like, like the fucking problem child movie. Wow. <laughs> I remember that movie. Well, thank God we didn't have any. Well, that, I guess that's a good thing about having uh parties at home because <laughs> all the right. kids are all only my <laughs> right no other kids around i almost thought about doing it at a place so i would have less work to do because you just go there everything's done for right. you and you leave yeah. and that's it and that's it's it. way more work doing stuff in your house 
but it came out good and he wanted a halloween party the original party was supposed to be a pool party Mm -hmm. but it ended up turning into a pool party like eventually by the end of the night like all the kids were in the pool yeah (laughs) there's a pool here you can't you cannot not use the pool and it was hot enough yeah (laughs) even though to me the water was cold to the kids they're good that's fine good Hey, we got a couple stories we've been dying to share with you. News thugs. <laughs> <laughs> news thugs, where we get high and read the wings to, to you. you. All right, D. You wanted this story. We got this story. I know. I wanted this shit. I was like, what? Yeah, it's just like, I really wanted to go over the election stuff last week. Yeah, for it was sure. Right before Very the election. Pertinent. This is actually airing right after the elections, but we're recording this before, before. So we don't know how many of those states went legal. I know. How, do you want to guess? guess? You want to guess? Do you, I, do you it was how many? It was four five. five of them. Do you think all five? I'm going to say three out of five. Three out of five? Yeah. I almost want to say five out of five. I yeah. almost want to say five out of five because I just feel like cannabis is that popular. Uh, but I'm going to say four out of five. You're going to say, all right, that seems good. I enough. don't know, but my heart says five out of five. Hey, but I man. guess that's the optimism. Me. <laughs> so well, I guess we'll, we'll post on, yes. on uh, Wednesday. When and I, I, I voted. I, I dropped off my ballots. No, I'm voting yesterday. on election day. You're voting I like to go day. on election day and scan it right into yeah. the machine myself. See it get <laughs> going. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm definitely like anxious because I want to track it, but um, I either vote early in person or I go on election day. And my it's a midterm election. It's my poll is never that my poll spot is never not never that busy. Yeah, ours is like super easy to yeah, no big deal. But uh, my son's school and I'm in and out. Yeah, they're they're saying that uh, there's a lot of people are have already voted more than before. A lot, a lot. Which so, is very exciting. Yes, very exciting. Because so it means can't wait people to see are what fucking the are gonna be. putting put putting the putting it to the test. We'll find out. But today we're talking about California lawsuit alleges we didn't get plaintiffs high enough. <laughs> a cannabis company in California sold jo- joints labeled with much higher THC content than content than they actually contained, violating consumer laws and angering customers who didn't get the high they paid for. <laughs> a class action lawsuit filed on Thursday alleges. The defendants, Dreamfields Brands Inc. and Med for America Inc. produce and sell Jeter pre-rolls, the subject of the lawsuit. Jeter writes on, a, on the packaging that its pre-rolled products average around 35% THC content. Yeah. The active ingredient in cannabis uh, responsible for getting people high. Yeah, they're explaining what THC is. <laughs> we all know what <laughs> yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah. Though that number often goes higher. A list of products. In higher the than 35%. What's the highest you've seen here? In flowered? Uh, I haven't I seen think anything that's already pretty high. Yeah, I think that's crazy high. No, I think like in places like Colorado and California, you can get, they have like 38 and stuff. Like, Whoa. I don't know. I've, I've, I remember when I was in Colorado last time and I saw the percentages on the menu. I was like, whoa, these are high <laughs> yeah. for flour. Because here I would say a high flour would be between. It's like 28. 28. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's as high as we get here. Yeah. 28%. About 28. 
All right. Um, Which we all know that it's really the Terps. Yeah, yeah whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Um, a list of products in the lawsuit had an average THA content of 42.10% oh, and advertising label. They're including all the terpenes and stuff in that percentage. It's not this THC. Like there must, yeah. they're like, I don't know. Uh, one advertising label on the products reads, this is the one joint that will get you to Mars quicker than Elon Musk. Oh my God. The lawsuit claims, however, that Jeter's actual THC levels are drastically deflated. Well, you know inflated. what? I can, I, can I say this? I... Get you a lot of these shit, a lot of people exaggerate big time. Look at all the edibles that you get here off the street or off of whatever. Let's just say like one of them trucks in Wynwood that sell edibles says five. The package says 500 milligrams. <laughs> 600, yeah, I know. That's what I, that's why it's just like fresh <laughs> in my mind. Uh, weed rope, like nerd rope, the whatever. Nerd rope, yeah, a fucking six hundred milligrams. It's, like the, it's a thousand. Yeah, and then <laughs> what? You buy these for like twenty, twenty-five dollars. You're not getting fucking five hundred, six hundred milligrams. They're not. I'm sorry, labeling. but those are not regulated. This is supposed to be a regulated product, no? I mean, um, probably everybody fucking lies. I'm sure, but <laughs> because I'm sure that the people here too, but like. You think about like what you pay for uh, at the dispensary for 100 milligrams. You're going to tell me that you're going to give me 600 milligrams for that price. That's fucking bananas. Back to the story, though. <laughs> One product in particular, the Baby Jeter Fire OG Diamond Infused 5-Pack Pre-Roll claims to have 46% THC content. The lawsuit said instead that independent lab testing had shown that the actual THC content was between 23 to 27 percent. But that's good. Why would they lie? Why would they just put that? Because, because people there really want they're peacocking. They want to be the they want to act like they're the best when they're like just a regular schmegular. Which is a and it says here, which, which is, is a, a figure more in line with what the cannabis products typically contain. Yeah. That means the advertising was overstated by 70 to 100%, the lawsuit alleges. Consumers are willing to pay more for cannabis products with higher THC content, expect to pay less for cannabis products with lower THC content, said Kristen Cho of Double and Lunar, the law firm that filed the complaint. The complaint alleges that by labeling its products with inflated THC numbers, defendants are overcharging consumers. Which, like, yeah, it's but it's like, blind. Oh, this it's is a blind. premium product. Yeah, so they could overcharge for it. Right. It's when but it's it, really in line with other products. Yeah, and it's really lying. <laughs> <laughs> the lawsuit explains that products with higher THC content suffer higher prices, and yeah. that makes sense. The more active ingredient there is, the more potent the product will be, and the better the high will be. But the lawsuit says that causes problems. The demand for high THC products has unfortunately led to THC inflation. The practice of intentionally listing false high THC content on labels, it says. THC inflation. We have inflation everywhere, people. I know, I know. <laughs> THC. Oh, my goodness. So the lawsuit quotes the cannabis. That's what they're doing. They want to inflate the prices. So they inflate the THC to inflate the price. Oh, my God. So the lawsuit quotes the Cannabis Industry Journal as saying, Many labs have sacrificed their scientific integrity to chase what the clients want, higher THC potency. The practice has become so prevalent that labs openly advertise their higher potency values to gain customers without fear of recourse. OMG. Well, but when you think about it and you go into like, let's say a True Leave, because there's always like a million people there when you go to True Leave. So you can't help but overhear everybody else's conversations. Um, people talking about 
the high oh what's the highest THC? Give me the highest THC. Mm-hmm. Like if they're being if they're being entertained. And every that time way, I ask the bud tenders there, what are the options? They they automatically straight, assume straight to the percentage, that I'm right? asking about which have the highest percentage. Exactly. And I'm like, no, I just want to know the different. Which I want to say is I want to know that information right. too. It's good information but don't to only know. Just be like, oh, right. she probably wants the twenty and higher, and yeah. like only like tell me about those. Yeah. Nobody's ever been like, what trips are you looking for? I'm sorry. Yeah. Nobody here in this. In the Florida landscape, no bud tenders from no dispensaries, okay, have ever asked, have ever asked me about what the ter- what terps I'm looking for or whatever. Or are you fami- they probably don't want to assume that you know. So be like, are you familiar with terpenes? Do you know what preferences you have? You know, without assuming that you should know that. I mean, know? I'm also like, just give me the shit. Let me get out of here. But I, you know, I, but I've never been approach that way when like when you ask what do you guys have what kinds of strains you have they do normally go with the percentage first exactly a spokesperson for jeter said the allegations are false when reached for comment let us get straight to the point the spokesperson wrote in an email to motherboard the allegations regarding our thc levels are false we take pride in our compliance and commitment to state mandated testing procedures including independent third-party testing the product and our integrity is something we truly value as a company and take all the proper and legal steps before our products hit the shelves. We built this company with a foundation of morals, values, and culture and our love for cannabis, they continued. We take pride in all the jobs we have created and pushing the industry forward. However baseless, ridiculous claims these claims are, we take them very seriously and look forward to the truth coming to light. The lawsuit claims Jeter's mislabeled packaging violated multiple California consumer laws about false advertising, as well as regulations set by the state's Department of Cannabis Control. The plaintiffs are seeking punitive dam- damages and injunction against the company and a jury should the case go to trial. I mean, shit, if they test it and it's just false, false advertising. That's, you know? a bit, that's a drastic, like over inflation of the thc like percent yeah that was like i would understand if it it, if because technically like in a batch of weed Mm -hmm. right they can be coming from all the buds can be coming from the same plant and they're not all gonna uh test at the same level right i mean also imagine the trichome falling in the process too like you can't really they only take a certain portion of the plant they can't test I don't think they test every single right. container. It's like batches. And so there is going to be in a range. Probably it would be, it would probably be more accurate to give a range of what that crop yeah. was, you know? Right. That's what I would think. Well, because I think it's also unfair too, when you get a thing and you see that the flower doesn't have that many, the trichomes are kind of like mm-hmm. not on there. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's, you could tell the flower, a frosty flower, the quality between another one that's like, oh, raggedy schmaggedy. So our next story is women minority executives show few gains in U.S. cannabis industry report shows. <sighs> so here we go. We all know that there's a lack of women and minorities in the cannabis Representation, industry. Representation, yeah. Yeah, and apparently... Um, in the 2022 report, it shows very little increase between 2020 to 2022. Well, uh loves to talk about how they're all inclusive, and but mm, the numbers don't really show that. 
Exactly. So the percentage of a of executive positions held by women and racial minorities in the U.S. cannabis industry remained little change in 2022 compared to last year, according to a new report from MJ Biz Daily. However, both groups have experienced steep declines from pre-pandemic highs when they often outpaced their cohorts in mainstream businesses. According to the 2022 report, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the cannabis industry, women holding executive positions in the cannabis industry grew only by a percentage point over the past year that grew to 23.1%. So from 2021 to 2022, it only grew 1% when in the past year it grew over 23%. That's what I'm understanding, right? Yeah, that's down sharply from 36.8% in 2019 before the COVID-19 pandemic. The numbers also below national averages for all businesses. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that 29.1% of chief executives at mainstream companies in 2021 were women, a number that has been rising steadily since the government started tracking the statistic in 2003. In the cannabis space, executive positions held by racial minorities fell to a new low for the group since MJ Biz Daily began tracking the number in 2017, dropping to 12.1% in 2022 from 13.1% in 2021. That's well below the average for all U.S. businesses. The BLS estimated last year that racial minorities accounted for 20, 20.1% of all CEOs. The decline has come despite growing interest and investment in cannabis social equity programs in many states, including Colorado and Illinois. Cannabis industry experts suggest that competitive markets tend to favor businesses with white men in ownership and leadership positions, primarily because of their established access to capital. It should also be noted that the fallout from the pandemic hit female and non-white business owners harder than it did men, white men. Yes. I mean, female, think about it. Like the world shut down. All the kids are at home. Women take are the primary caregiver in the home. A lot of women had to stay home and start being teachers to their kids or just being there to be with their kids because everything was closed. So a lot of yeah. women had to get out of working. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to say that it was because of the pandemic, but it was like right before the pandemic when I started staying home with my kids. And it was just because, yeah, it is more it is cheaper or it is more affordable to have me stay home and just take care of the kids than it is to get daycare for two children. So I was, what is it that they say? I was pushed out of the workforce because yeah. of how high childcare costs are versus how much, you know, the income is. Okay. So I was like try looking at the chart to see the numbers. I, I can see it better on a chart than reading it. Right. <laughs> Agreed. Sam, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is apparent when you are in the cannabis space, you could tell that. Look, so from 2019, it was 36.8% women and 28% racial minorities. And it's dropped down in 2022 to 23.1% women and 12.1% racial minorities. And that's probably because a lot of new white people got into the industry. So there's just more and more and more and more white men. Yeah. You know, as the more and more businesses are starting or licenses are being given and more, more states are legalizing. And, right. Damn. 
we just got to keep fighting for it and and just expecting uh dispensaries and companies and brands to to focus on making it a, a, a level playing field agreed we're ready for our next segment oh yeah we are <laughs> Wepa, Miami's here. Took advantage of that to hit the bar again real quick. All right, federal court dismisses Florida AG commissioner's lawsuit on medical marijuana patients' gun rights. So we reported on the story. I think this story came out on 420 this year. Wrong with that. That Nikki Free, they were going to be suing the government um, about them trying to take gun Guns rights away, away from right. patients. Mm-hmm. So. A federal judge on Friday dismissed the lawsuit that challenged the ban. I don't want to read all that. <laughs> the case has extended over months with attorneys from Commissioner Nikki Freed arguing that the federal firearms ban for cannabis patients is unconstitutional. A hearing on the Biden administration's motion to dismiss was held last month. But while Freed expressed optimism following the oral arguments, citing her legal team's compelling performance, a U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida judge ultimately disagreed, saying in a 22-page opinion that the plaintiffs have have standing, but that their claims fail on the merits. Okay. The gist of the judge Alan Windsor's ruling is that he sided with the Justice Department's arguments that people who use marijuana, regardless of state law, are engaging in criminal activity at the federal level. And therefore, there's precedent to deny them the right to have firearms. The judge recognized that there's a congressional rider in place that prevents DOJ from using its funds to interfere in state medical cannabis programs. But it described the policy with specific parentheticals, saying Congress has precluded the Department of Justice for now from prosecuting crimes that Congress for now chooses to maintain (laughs) on the books since the writer must be annually reviewed, renewed, renewed, regardless of whether plaintiffs are prosecuted or whether Congress allocates funds for their prosecution. Possession of marijuana remains a federal crime. Judge Alan Windsor said, sounds like a real fucking asshole. (laughs) The roar, the Oh my God! Hold on, the Rohrabacher, yeah, Rohrabacher Far Amendment, at best precludes prosecution. Now, it does not forever bless plaintiffs' actions. So he's he's saying that all of us patients are criminals. Is that what he's trying to yeah, say? Yeah, he's like, saying he's, he's saying, saying we're all breaking federal law by being a patient. right. He's saying technically that's bullshit. Technically, that is bullshit. But say. you know what, like. You know, that shit like this continues to say, hey, uh, is it worth it to be a pay? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is it worth it to be a patient in that sense? They're going to take their gun right away. That's crazy. So one of the most controversial controversial aspects of this case dealt with a, a recent. <laughs> I know I'm having a hard time I'm with words today. Yeah. Okay. One of the most controversial aspects of this case dealt with the recent. U.S. Supreme Court ruling in a New York case where justices generally created a higher standard for policies that seek to impose restrictions on gun rights. <laughs> <laughs> take a you take a breath in between. 
In between words, the ruling states that any such restrictions must be consistent with the historical context of the Second Amendment's original 1791 ratification. Wow, just hearing that year <laughs> makes the dust and the spider webs come out of my ears. It's just ridiculous. The well, can you read that year again? Let me look at that 1791, 1791. A ratification. Okay. <laughs> Department of Justice responded earlier in the case by raising eyebrow, raising historical analogs to justify the federal ban by drawing parallels between medical cannabis patients and people who are mentally ill, panhandlers, what? Catholics and other groups that were previously deprived of the right to possess firearms. Hold on. We yes. had well, Catholics weren't able to have firearms. <laughs> they were prohibited. Really? What, but back in 1792 or whatever, probably. <laughs> 1719, whatever. Despite the despite the pushback over those alleged analogs, the court said in its final ruling that the federal government's position had merit. Laws keeping guns from the mentally ill, likewise, flow from the historical tradition tradition of keeping guns from those in whose hands they could be dangerous. Plaintiffs recoil at being compared to the mentally ill. But one does not have to label marijuana users mentally ill to recognize that both categories of people can be dangerous when armed. The judge wrote. Although the prohibition reaches those habitually using marijuana, even if not currently under the influence, habitual drug users are analogs to other groups the government has historically found too dangerous to have guns. He continued, which, by the way. This is reefer madness, bro. This turns back into um it, just the like Fox News on the, Fox News when every the time shooters, there's mass shooters, they weed. yeah they always bring them back, bring it back to oh. it's weed, guys. It's not the uh, okay. He drinks water too, and we can say that it's every murder has drank water. Is guns. it water? Is it the water they're drink that we are drinking? Like. <laughs> At bottom, the historical tradition of keeping guns from those the government fairly views as dangerous, like alcoholics and the mentally ill, is sufficiently an analogous. Oh, <laughs> today, the words are not happening. Sorry, guys. Analogous. 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 To modern laws, keep guns from habitual. We're very professional on this show, by the way. Guns from habitual users of controlled substances. This provides another justification for upholding the challenged laws. Therefore, the challenged laws are consistent with the history and tradition of this nation's firearm regulations. The court also contested the plaintiff's challenge by saying that unlawful drug users can regain their Second Amendment rights by simply ending their drug use. Marijuana Moment reached out to Freed's office for comment and a representative said they needed to consult with counsel before weighing in on the ruling. In a September filing, the Department of Justice seemed to partially back off its prior assertions that cannabis makes people more inclined toward violent crime in general. That's insane! (laughs) I'm sorry. But it did say that those who consume marijuana are intrinsically too dangerous to own guns because they're breaking federal law even if it's a misdemeanor offense. Breaking the law. Breaking, breaking the, the law. Breaking, breaking the, the law. Breaking the law. Daddy Biden though said that we can have, have possession, small possession. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon. Daddy Biden said we're not that crazy. <laughs> we can have guns too, you know. Freed and others. But they are. This was a lawsuit at the Biden administration. Right. 
freed and others in an earlier filing in the case took issue with the department's insistence that medical marijuana patients are inherently dangerous while still maintaining that people who drink alcohol have a lawful second amendment right because drinking is federally legal for adults <sighs> doj's original motion for dismissal read as insulting freed a democrat told marijuana moment in august i think that they have missed the ball here and it's very disconcerting that this is the direction that they took Biden's Justice Department relied on arguments as contradictory and unstable as their overall marijuana policy. The plaintiff's last filing says, citing 2021 remarks about the state-federal cannabis conflict from conservative Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. (laughs) With his latest court ruling, the current federal policy persists, making it so people are denied gun purchases if they're honest about their cannabis use, while filling out a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives background check form, regardless of state law. So ultimately, that is, can you, that's the bottom line is like, um, no, but you, okay. No, so you don't have to put on the application that you're a patient because ultimately, isn't that HIPAA? Wouldn't HIPAA protect that information? So if you tell them you're not, the federal <laughs> while filling out but the- like it, if it doesn't specifically ask you does it ask you if you use cannabis i don't know what's on the on the application we should go and see president joe biden hasn't weighed in on the commissioner's lawsuit but he did recently talk about the atf policy in the context of a possible federal investigation into his son hunter who admitted in a memoir that he'd bought a gun while suffering from a substance misuse disorder Thing, this thing about a gun, I didn't know anything about it, the president told CNN. But turns out that when he made application to purchase a gun, what happened was he, I guess you get asked, I don't know, I don't, I don't guess, you get asked a question, are you on drugs or do you use drugs? He said no, and he wrote about saying no in the book. So I have great confidence in my son. He said, I love him and he's on the straight and narrow and he has been for a couple years now and i'm just so proud of him everybody lies on that application i'm sorry not yeah because you know because that there's lots of people that don't use cannabis that do other drugs there's cokeheads there's and there's all sorts of people they yeah, have guns they do on, all sorts I, of fucking exactly, drugs everybody I, I, you're gonna tell me question you're you gonna tell me that's bullshit all right you don't have to tell me a <laughs> oh, cokehead's so like, gonna oh, be like oh am yeah I, am i know? on drugs while I'm filling this application out? No, I'm not on drugs right, right now. Ooh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of all the cokeheads that have guns out there. <laughs> <laughs> For real. They're, they're on drugs. That's more dangerous of a drug yeah, than having a gun. Right. But, we're, oh, but oh, yeah. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> Weed. Uh, we're psycho. Okay. As Freed previously told Marijuana Moment, the lawsuit wasn't about expanding gun rights per se. It was a matter of constitutionality that she and other key allies in the gun reform movement feel would bolster public safety if the case ultimately goes in their favor. Supporters of the lawsuit argue that the ATF requirement effectively creates an incentive for cannabis consumers to either lie on the form... As we were talking about, <laughs> buy a gun on the illicit market or simply forgo a constitutional right. In 2020, ATF issued an advisory specifically targeting Michigan that requires gun sellers to conduct 
federal background checks on unlicensed gun buyers because it said the state's cannabis laws had enabled habitual marijuana users and other disqualified individuals to obtain firearms illegally. The state's cannabis law has enabled habitual marijuana users. (laughs) There have been previous efforts in Congress to specifically protect medical cannabis patients against losing their right to purchase and possess guns, but those efforts have not been enacted. There are people that are doing far worse gu- drugs with guns right now. Uh, cocaine, heroin, you they, know. But they, the they probably don't even have their, like, the, the weapon permit. They just have the guns, probably have the guns. They can have a... Dude, they lie. They could have a, they could have weapons. That's what I'm saying. What if they don't get drug tested? They don't drug test you. <laughs> So what? You just gotta. Yeah, they're gonna. When you submit the application, you gotta submit with a urine sample with it. Yeah. No me joda. <laughs> hey, did you see Liberty Health Sciences just reopened in Dania Beach? Yeah, isn't that spot close to you? Yep, super convenient, and you get fifty percent off of your first three visits. That's awesome. Sounds like I'm gonna be going to Liberty Health Sciences. Yes, and you know what else? Liberty's customer service unrivaled. And they have over 50 locations throughout Florida to serve our listeners from all over the state, which is great. They now have the later days line of flower. Time to say peace out to overpriced eights. Liberty Health Sciences is going back to the good old days of whole flower eights for only $20 all day, every day, all year. This isn't discount flower or unpopular strains either. These are the OG strains that you know and love, like Gorilla Glue, Runts, and Banana OG. So let's look forward to quality flower and say later days to high prices, exclusively at Liberty Health Sciences. Hey, thank you so much for making it this far. You have made it to the interview portion of our show. Uh, We are interviewing Jody James, someone we hold very close to our hearts. Uh, She's making shit happen. She works with Nikki Fried a lot, actually. She does. She works with Nikki Fried a lot. Member of the Board of Directors for Florida Can, Florida Cannabis Action Network, and Chair of Floridians for Freedom. She's a respected speaker, teacher, debater, strategic planner, thought leader, and mentor with more than 20 years experience in cannabis policy. And every time we talk with her, it shows. She began as a patient volunteer in 1996, bringing a decade of business experience to the movement to change marijuana laws. By 1998, she had a staff position with the Coalition Advocating Medical Marijuana while volunteering for the newly formed Florida Cannabis Action Network. This is our interview with Jody. We hope you enjoy. But at the end of the day, uh, until we can break through the idea that cannabis is dangerous and that it needs to be uh, treated like plutonium, it's going to be awfully hard to get them to accept giving us any more. But I'll tell you what, because you have a national audience, we need more groups like Cannabis Action Network. I was reviewing the daily dosing limits in Alabama, and that's 50 milligrams of THC. <laughs> so you're allowed in in Alabama if you are a patient in Alabama, you are allowed to purchase 350 milligrams a week. Golly. A week. And if you get more than 75 milligrams a day. Where are they getting these numbers? Like it's, it, there's nowhere that shows any lethal dosage of cannabis. Why are they getting, like, where are they getting the, like. I can't imagine. 
I, I we got think, we think ass. We think they're definitely taking. They're just going like, uh, what's? They have like a a bag of numbers they pick out of or something. something right, <laughs> uh, totally out of the air. And like you said, uh, you know, and we argued this when we were at the press conference two weeks ago. You know, you put dosing limits on things that are dangerous, and this is not. You said it yourself. There is no lethal dose. So where's the logic in this? Um, if the end game is, well, we'll, you know, we'll sell the patients a little bit tax free and then we'll make them buy the rest, you know, on the legal system where they have to pay taxes on it, maybe. But in Alabama, patients are paying taxes. So wherever your listeners are at, if there's not an advocacy group they need to, you know, by the time they get to listen to you, um, they're motivated, right? They're educated. They got this. They have you guys as a support system and Florida Cannabis Action Network's there too. But if there's not something going on where you're at, you got to make it happen. So let, what, what would you recommend to somebody that lives somewhere and doesn't have any uh, organizations that they can uh, join or uh, volunteer with and they do want to start their own yeah, like, how would, would you go first, about starting right? off how would what would be the start starting point of that well uh, americans for safe access which is an entirely a marijuana reform organization has some great tools out there for like starting chapters for americans for safe access if you're really seriously motivated florida cannabis action network would help you to start your own chapter uh there's decisions that need to be made are you going to be a real state chapter are you going to you know uh, start a business. Florida Cannabis Action Network is going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary last year. Or wow. I'm sorry, next year. next year. Time and measurement impaired. 25 <laughs> years next year. And it's because there was enough people every year who cared enough to pay the registration. Mm-hmm. There were enough people every year who cared enough. And sometimes it was me who cared enough. And sometimes it was somebody else who cared enough. But we have continued and as bad as our problems are wow we're not alabama 75 milligrams and you have to give up your driver's license what you have to give up your driver's license if you you want (laughs) if you want to use 75 milligrams of cannabis a day you have to give up your driver's license because you're using a controlled substance and you shouldn't be driving on a controlled substance no, and this is why people don't bother oh becoming God. patients in states and like that. Correct. Correct. That and so if they're if if and and a patient can't afford to get involved in a system like that because good operators can't afford to sell medicine at a price if that's all the medicine they're gonna get to sell. They're really making a mess. And at the end of the day, Florida Cannabis Action Network has always been about the people who need access to this medicine. Uh, You said you saw the press conference and I really felt passionate about the idea that, you know, we're all one phone call away from having our entire life devastated. Because now you know that you're not just tired because you're tired, you're tired because there really is something wrong. You're not just forgetful. There really is something wrong. And you know, for so many years, I've worked with people that once they got that phone call, then they got humiliated and demoralized by traditional medicine. 
And at that point, now you're marginalized for using cannabis. So finding people, and you know, I think it's interesting. I would be very surprised if there are too many places that don't have somebody who wants to get active. The internet has been a fabulous organizing tool for finding people, but once you find them on the internet, now we got to get off the internet and we've got to get out there and engage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, I really, we need to get out there. It gets, it's so tough because of our situation with the little ones and all that. But, uh, man, I re we really want to be out there with you guys. So you're going to an event you said soon. So like what, what kind of events and how are you guys mobilizing and getting out there and trying to get the word out about Florida Ken? Well, you know, a lot of things happen on the internet and we have some fabulous people who start there. One of the little local things that we're encouraging people to do is organize a cannabis over cocktails. So you have a night once a month and some people don't like that name. We're also doing uh, cannabis conversations because the folks in Pensacola didn't want to do it over cocktails. Uh, <laughs> I feel that I'm not a drinker. <laughs> well, when you prefer cannabis over cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> double on time. Over Ah, I see what uh, you did there. Uh, yeah, you do. Cannabis yeah, do. over cocktails. Cocktails. <laughs> you know, um, that has been a really great way for us to get out uh, and learn who's in our community and find let people find us. For the longest time, we found that we were wearing our cannabis t-shirts and we had all these great cannabis t-shirts, but it was a really small group of people who saw them. Yeah. So cannabis over cocktails uh, evolved from two couples who said, yeah, we'll go out to have food together once a month and we'll wear our cannabis T-shirts. And we invited our friends. We would have a topic of conversation that we were if it wasn't going to be just us. Right. So the one cannabis over cocktails, we discussed um Rules for cannabis, Miss Mary Jane Manners. What should new weed etiquette? <laughs> weed etiquette. That's right. Uh, so you know, we made some fun stuff. We had sometimes twenty-five people come out. We're not doing one in Melbourne right now, but they're doing them in um, the Panhandle. They're doing them in Fort Pierce, and that's something that if somebody, you and your friend, oh wait. Look what two people can do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, really, that's kind of Florida Can's organizing style. What can two people do? Uh, one of our members came in. He came in. He wasn't sure how to engage with Florida Can. So he kind of sat there and watched us on the Internet and kind of talked to some folks individually. And then he's like, what the heck? And he made, paid his dues. And now he carries literature whenever he goes out and does anything. He adds Florida Cannabis Action Network literature. Um, he is getting ready to do a canna crawl in Dunedin. And so he's marshalling some of the Florida Cannabis Action Network resources. We have friends all over the state 
So when you're ready to do your thing, we just want to help you raise your banner and make sure that more people can have an opportunity to come out. So that's how people engage with Florida Can. The folks that are doing the event this weekend, it's being called a Florida Cannabis Action Network event. And by golly, I've sat in on four meetings. So I don't know <laughs> how the Florida Cannabis event. It didn't cost us a penny. And someone told me they got me a hotel room. But it's a Florida can event um, because it's all about cannabis and our middle name is action. So, you know, it's all about action. And, you know, old time pop people knew a lot about networking because it was kind of hard to get yourself a bag some, in some towns. So you got to know a lot of interesting people. And when we all throw our interesting people together, you get a stone soup, right? And your stone soup is that beautiful concoction that everybody brought just a little bit to. And in the end, it's a bountiful harvest for everybody. And so that's Cannabis Action Network. If you've got a little bit to bring, you pester us until somebody calls you back. And then uh, you say, this is what I want to add to the soup. And and we figure out how to make your actions um, amplified right because at the end of the day that's what we need to do is we need to get the message out we need to amplify it to a lot of audiences so flcan.org is always where you find us right now the highlight is the petition mm -hmm. after you sign the petition we're sending folks to a survey and really the results of that survey are going to be phenomenal we really didn't realize what we were getting when we set up the survey but at this point the patients are really being forthcoming they're really talking about what they know about the plant and how they're using it it asks uh some personal questions but you don't have to identify yourself if you don't want to mm -hmm. and that data is going to help us go to tallahassee which we're um it's one of Florida Cannabis Action Network's main pillar is our advocacy plank. And our advocacy team has been working all year long. Our next lobby day is March 16th. So we've already scheduled our lobby day. I'm not sure what we're going to do because it's going to be hard to top what we did last year. But uh, we're going to be letting people sign up for that any day now we should have that together in the next week or two and businesses can sponsor it. And if someone's not sure and they can afford to take the time off and make the trip to Tallahassee. That's just a fabulous way to get plugged in. Mm -hmm. uh, it really is. It's Cannabis 101. And sometimes that means uh, we're teaching lawmakers from the ground up. And for some people, it's ground up experience about what happens at the Capitol. But join Cannabis Action Network. We'll keep you engaged. Let me ask you a question. I There's so many. There's petitions out there and a lot of them are focusing on home grow now true leave has another one where they're supporting um and they have like a cap but they um and then i don't know if you heard of mariah barnhart has one that she's trying to get going where it's kind of to to go with the true leave petition why is is there is there no way to get in a petition to get people out of jail. I, I just feel like it's so crazy that we continue to like try to get weed legalized, but these people keep sitting in jail. Nobody's doing anything for them. Like that's so many people are concerned with how many plants we can and cannot grow if there's home grow, but we're not talking about getting people out of jail. 
Well, some of us are. I did an interview today with the Gainesville Sun, and that's exactly what I said. Uh, regardless of how far we've come, we still got a long ways to go because even though it's 20,000 people being arrested now for misdemeanor cannabis possession instead of 40,000, that's still 20,000 people. And, you know, you talk about arrests and certainly, yeah, um, but when they arrest you, they steal your stuff. <laughs> you know, depending on where you're at, they might impound your car. Um, you, you may lose your job. Uh, you may be coerced into treatment because you can't afford the kind of lawyer that would fight it. Um, and you're marked and further marginalized. So those are all things that keep me up at night. They keep me up at night. Uh, True Leave has set up a petition that will allow True Leave to sell more cannabis to more people. That's a great business model. And put five million dollars into it. Ten. Ten, ten. from what I hear. Ten million now. Oh my. So uh, but you know, if you if you have the potential to take part in a billion dollar market, ten million is hardly the cost of doing business. The people who are losing their children, the people who are losing their cars who are losing their driver's license. And, you know, it's really insidious now. The legacy market is so sophisticated that where I used to go to my dude and be like, hey, dude, can I get a bag? And I'd take what he'd give me. Now it's like, hey, dude, I'd like to stop by and get a bag. And he sends me a menu. Yes, I've seen them. I saw a menu and I and a lot of times the people are like, oh, my God, he gives me a menu. I'm like, can you send it to me? I want to see what he has. Mm -hmm. No more this or that. Uh, it's a uh, and sauce. And also, but Jody, you have to start somewhere. Everybody who's running the shit now legally had to do it illegally before. You know, you got to know where your roots like a lot of people like to talk crap about legacy market. But uh, where do you think the growers for truly even the growers for all these big guys started? Come on now. Well, that's that was true. That was true five years ago, maybe, and some somewhat true. But these guys, the marketing dude comes from Nike. And the operations guy comes from the pharmaceutical world, because now that people like us have made it OK to have a job in weed, they don't hire us. <laughs> they, they hire the guy who would never have worked in weed and doesn't know crap about it. But, you know, when you put things in perspective, I spent um, two hours this afternoon on a call with some folks that were doing kind of a watch party on the United Nations Commission on Narcotics Drugs. And there are over 300,000 people around the world who are on death row over drugs. And of course, that's not all weed. It's probably mostly heroin and trafficking. And I sat right there and listened to the United Nations representative from Pakistan say, and we are committed to a drug-free world. So God bless anybody who wants to do this by petition. Uh, that is a hard row. And unless you have $10 million like Kim Rivers uh, has, and a billion dollars is on the other end of the balance sheet, 
It's hard. I've worked on several and, and I, and I'm a hard worker. So when Jody James says it's hard, it is not for the pain of heart. <laughs> so where would you, so then what would, because I just got it. It feels so dirty to see all these people making money, all these people, all this weed being sold and like people sitting in jail or still going to jail. Like what would, would it, it just needs to be federally legalized in order for any of that to happen. Like, is that how it got, it's gotta be descheduled? Well, certainly some of that's going to happen. Restorative justice. And, you know, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. In 2003, when Charlie Crist was governor the last time, uh, Cannabis Action Network didn't think we were going to get very far with Charlie Crist. And so we set up our, what do you want to call it, our, uh, um, our mission that year, our strategic plan was to do what we called seeding the alliances. And so, you know, if prison reform is your passion, we have organizations like the Last Prisoner Project uh, that are dealing with trying to get folks out of jail. We need to make sure that, you know, our friends don't think, oh, dude, I'm going to go to the polls and I'm going to legalize weed and it's going to be great. Uh, you know, now that I can go to my dude and get a cart, that means, so there's one thing that you have to understand. In Florida, the law says that if I give you seven grams of marijuana or 21 grams of marijuana or less, right? Three quarters of an ounce or less. And I just give it to you. That's a misdemeanor. If you have 21 grams of marijuana and you just have it, that's a misdemeanor. If I sell you 21 grams of marijuana or less, that's a felony. If I have just one microgram of a concentrate, that's a felony. So your vape cartridge is a felony. Your joint is a misdemeanor. So when I mentioned that we have fewer misdemeanors now, I forgot to mention we have more felonies. Felonies mean more time. It means more interaction with the court. It means a record Using that follows you. Your voting rights in some states. Ding, 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 including Florida until you have finished all of your bullshit. So, right, rights restoration was an incredibly important part of Florida Cannabis Action Network strategy. And now, really, we are in a better place. I, I don't want your listeners to think that we're not in a better place. We are. Um, in 17, 18 states now, an adult can get access to cannabis through a legal market. In Florida, 750,000 patients have access to some marijuana that is purportedly third-party tested, right? And is what it says it is and is properly labeled. And if you figure out that it's not, you have the ability to at least call somebody. Everybody in the United States has access to CBD products, and there are some really quality CBD producers out there, people who really care. It's still a buyer's beware market. 
everyone who uses cannabis, whether you're on the legacy market or you're on the newly regulated CBD market, or if you're um, even if you're going to your dispensaries, kind of got to look out for yourself. You got to shop for deals. You got to make sure that you have a relationship with your doctor so he understands exactly what you're using. That's more important than ever with the rolling limits and the caps. Got to make sure you are with a doctor that understands your complex medical conditions and cannabis because not all products are for all people. And if you have a reaction, we need to know. But we're further along than we were. And the good news is that there are people like the folks in Gainesville who have not forgotten that this plant belongs to the people and no one should ever go to jail for possession of a plant. Here, here. Make mm-hmm. nature legal again. Jeez. <laughs> and, you know, there really are some movements out there. I haven't explored um, re-legalized nature is coming about. There's discussions, you know, with all of the talk about psychedelic plants and the healing potential of psychedelic plants and the trauma that we live with every day. You know, thank God nobody's bombing our coast because we could live someplace where they are. Um, thank God that we are not running from warlords because we could live someplace where they are. Um, for us to be passive about how this plant is and how we treat people in this country is magnified a hundred times when you start looking at how much damage our inactivity does to the rest of the world. Because, you know, we're a world leader. And as long as our federal administration is silent on the world stage on the need for cannabis and all drugs to take a real human rights approach to it, you know, the drugs themselves are not dangerous. Um, Misuse, abuse, warlords, drug lords, (laughs) drug land violence, marketplace turf I mean... The United States, the United States are really the reason why cannabis has such a huge stigma. Like we campaigned against it, got other countries to make it illegal. Like we're the ones that created the stigma. So until this country owns up to the mistake it made and correct itself, I don't think a lot of other countries are going to do the same, even though a lot of countries are, but there's some that are going to stick until I think, I think some countries are looking at us lately like yeah, i don't know about those guys anymore they're like half and half <laughs> like half the country well and it is and you know it's because drug policy reform in this country has gotten savvy in the last decade one of the members of florida cannabis action network's board of directors actually works very closely um, on the united nations project and has for 25 years and the work that has been done at the United Nations, because 25 years ago when Florida went or when the United States went and had these meetings at the United Nations, the only people that were there were drug free America. And, you know, that kept the drug free Pakistan. I heard the representative from Pakistan today say that they are committed to a drug free world. How do you when people need morphine? because they just got their leg blown off from a um, IED on the road. 
<laughs> How do you say no drugs? Wait a minute. What drugs are we talking about? And, you know, morphine is made from poppies. Mm -hmm. At one point, there were problems with the United Nations was complaining because so much of the poppy production in Afghanistan was being diverted to the illegal market that there wasn't enough morphine to treat people around the world. So it's really this war on drugs has been a failed effort and the, the drugs are winning. So like, what's the effort? Like, why do we continue to make, to have this battle, but going back to the limits, I wanted to ask, um, I know that you have the petition that everybody can sign um, that we're urging Ron DeSantis, you know, to roll back the limits. But I'm wondering, I'm curious, who were the original culprits that made this happen? Who are the lawmakers that put these into effect that we need to vote out of office? Uh -huh. uh, we need to make sure are no longer representing us. <laughs> well, that's a great, that's great. But unfortunately, he's no longer in office. Mm. Uh, Dr. Carrie Pigman from um, the Sebring area, these, these rolling limits are actually in law from 2017. So they were written into law in 2017. It was Dr. Pigman who insisted that, you know, this is medicine and in medicine, we have dosing limits because it's dangerous and it didn't matter how many times we got up and said, but there's no lethal dose. And so they put these dosing limits into law in 2018. And this is kind of an aside in 2018, they did a um, public Well, they did a workshop on what the daily dosing limit was going to be. And I was in attendance Josephine Canella Creel was in attendance. Maria Hurley, who's one of our immediate or who is our immediate past president, was in attendance, and Ryan Hurley, her husband. So we were all sitting in this room, and because they were doing it as an emergency rule in 2018 and under emergency guidelines, they didn't have to take public input the same way that they would have to if it was just a regular rule. So basically, we sat in this room, and there was, I don't remember if there was four or five or six people around this table, and there was one doctor from Leave, and he was basically frustrated through the whole thing. There was one doctor from Tallahassee who probably, if he'd have had his way, we'd have had a 50 milligram a day dosing limit. So the dosing limits that we got were something that our team was just devastated on and they've sat on them for nearly four years and why they decided to make the rollout now um it it, it is interesting and i say interesting because it makes me mad and it makes me sad so i'll just call it interesting if you followed the bouncing ball, we got these rolling, the rolling limits, and that was kind of weird, but everybody had, you know, plenty of dosages available. And Brady Cobb bought MedMen for $48 million or some nonsense like that. Kim Rivers puts $5 million down 
So if you were a gambling person, she basically doubled down, right? Kim Rivers puts $5 million down to get the new license. Ron DeSantis says, hmm, these licenses are very busy, are very valuable. We should charge more. <laughs> we should charge more. Kim Rivers gives another $5 million to legalization and the Department of Health rolls out rolling limit or rolls out the limits as an emergency on a Friday, effective Monday. Um, quite frankly, I often feel as though the people who are trying to do it right, and by do it right, I mean the producers who are trying to follow the law and the patients who are trying to um, be well without the threat of incarceration, as we've covered, um, were really pawns in a game that has very little to do with us getting well. It makes me sad. And I call so it interesting. It's very frustrating. But, but, you know, we can't stop. You can't give up because the person that you elect tomorrow for school board is going to decide whether or not you get charter schools and what gets taught in the public schools and whether or not dare is going to include things like you should turn your mommy in if she uses marijuana um that's happening right there locally the county commission is going to decide the sheriff's budget and they're going to be the ones who decide whether or not they're prioritizing the sniff test every time they pull somebody over is just because you have a car doesn't mean that you can smell like marijuana. And just because you have a car doesn't mean that that particular officer in that particular jurisdiction is going to give you back your medicine and not take you to jail. You hope. And if it is your medicine and if it meets all the right criteria, you bought it, it's in its proper packaging, um, there's no evidence that you used it in the car, there's no evidence you're driving under the influence, your, both your card and your recommendation are valid at the same time, you will likely not go to jail. You may get your medicine back. If there was money in your wallet, don't count on it being there when you get your stuff back. because that is policing in America. Mm. Engage, 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 engage. Engage at the school board, engage at the PTA. Um, you don't have to coach your kids. You hear that D at the PTA, she joined the PTA. Join the PTA, you know, do whatever you're doing. Um, when I was a young mom, I certainly was not in Tallahassee, mm -hmm. but everybody in Melbourne because that's where home is for me. Everybody in Melbourne knew that this was a good plant because I planned and did things locally. My, um, the, my youngest one or my oldest one's kindergarten teacher, I ended up um, volunteering in her classroom for about eight years. On the third day of school, I said to her, when you start talking about drugs and you're going to have to, it's in the curriculum. And my kid starts talking about marijuana. You should listen to him. We get our information from doctors. She kept me for 10 years <laughs> because people are looking for an outlet because most people agree with this. Mm -hmm. So 
it's really important that you engage. And it, it, like you said, we got to keep fighting, keep engaging. And that's what's been so good about the cannabis culture and the advocates. And it, we've been fighting and fighting for for years. And look how far we've come so far. Like who would have thought we, we would have even had medical cannabis in Florida that so many states would have uh, legal rec use and or other ones that, you know, just have medical. It's it's we've come a long way, you know, and it's because of relentless like people just not giving up and people advocating for a plant right. that they believe in well mother ganja has been good to many of us <laughs> and and if you feel yeah, that's that why you have we an pra- that's why we're <laughs> that's why we praise you know of course we're the we're the deacons we're the we're the pastors of the church over here because we <laughs> we've experienced the first hands <laughs> missionaries that's right well So the Bible says the only sin unto death is to know the spirit and deny it. And I kind of feel like way way about cannabis that, you know, once I learned about the medicine to, to not be out there about it is just too damaging to too many people. People need this medicine. Yeah. There's a lot of people I know that don't use it. That should be used. (laughs) I mean, there's also the inverse. Not everybody. It's also everybody doesn't get it. Everybody doesn't need to use it. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, there's some really high, strong, uptight. <laughs> Are you sure? For real. <laughs> yeah. Flip a gummy or something. Like, come on. Well, um, right. And that's the beautiful thing. There's so many neat ways to use cannabis these days. You don't have to be a pot, a pot smoking mom to exactly. enjoy a, a chewable or to enjoy a lozenge, a, a sucker or a secret, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. A tincture, who knows, whatever. Tinctures All are that. hard for me, though, because you got to let them under the tongue and yeah. sit there for a minute. And so that doesn't <laughs> for me, but a, a, a good gummy is, well, thing to behold i did oh my god i got the cookies from liberty today because the true leaf cookies are awful i was like there's got to be somebody who makes a decent cookie their cookies are pretty good the liberty cookies they're pretty good they're 10 milligrams they're little but they're yummy the true (laughs) cookies taste so stale and they're brownies too huh uh yeah that's my problem with pot cookies is i want them fresh Mm-hmm. Right. I thought today, you know what? I, I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if we had like a stoned bakery where like you could just go in by get fresh goodies at the bakery. Fresh well, baked baked goods. <laughs> you gonna call it be baked? <laughs> be yeah, baked right? goods. <laughs> I think we got one in uh be in baked. Chicago. One That's a great our, name. One of our friends out in Chicago. She ha- she says there there's one. It's like a coffee shop bakery type of thing. One day, one day we'll be there. Um, I never thought we would be this far. Uh, so one day we're gonna be where we're gonna have farmers markets where people are sharing their grows and selling their grows. We're gonna have bakeries. We're gonna have coffee shops. We're gonna have all sorts of stuff. One day. We need to be, we need to really pay attention how we regulate this stuff makes all the difference in the world. Right now, Florida doesn't allow for cottage industry. So even if you're making, 
a hundred cupcakes, they would want you to have a $300 potency test on it. So that becomes a little, you know, how long am I going to wait? So I bake my hundred brown or my hundred cupcakes and I have to add an extra three bucks a piece to the price because I'm getting ready to pay for a $300 lab test. So you got to do it by the batch. Um, and now it may take three or four days before it comes back. They're not fresh baked anymore. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So how we regulate things matter. Joining Florida can matters because uh, paying attention to the minutia of that detail is not for everybody. Uh, we're busy living our lives. But when you invest in Florida Cannabis Action Network, you know that you are investing in making sure that uh, people who care about patients and small businesses are up there, not just the big guys and their lobbyists. Yes. And you know what? We need Florida Can. We need organizations. You guys like you guys fighting the fight for us because like as many of us love the plant, we can't all do that. Like and like you said, look at all the small little details. Really think about it more in advance, like how it's going to roll out and affect everyone down the line. So and thank you so much for all your years of advocacy for us. And, you know, I, I, we're definitely, I, we would like to collaborate with Florida Can on some like events that we're doing and stuff like that to get your, your message out, you know, you know, so get you some more members, some people paying some dues, helping you guys get some, some more traction going. Or wearing a t-shirt and yeah. talking the talk and walking the walk, <laughs> right? Proud that they can do it with other people. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank of you. The next time we see each other in real life, Jody, you're always a pleasure to be around. Thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate that. I think that we're going to try and do Canadelics again, right? In February, we have Canadelics right. happening in February. I do not envision myself being back in South Florida anytime soon, but stick with us. There are lots of things going on with Florida Cannabis Action Network. We're following very closely the federal lawsuit with three plaintiffs in Florida that have sued the federal government. Um, Four plaintiffs, if you include Commissioner Freed, have filed a lawsuit with the federal government since last time we spoke over the right to bear arms Mm -hmm. and possession of a firearm. So that's working its way through the courts. We may very well be doing another press conference in the next couple of weeks as we uh, go into oral arguments on that. There needs to be some lawsuits against these dosing limits. So like what kind of what kind of patients could like what would be needed? Like some patients that gathered, you know, how it's affected them and like actually, but that costs a lot of money to get a lawyer to sue the state, I would think. It does. Well, and there, you know, there are several things and we kind of outline them on the website for folks who kind of want to do a deep dive. If, if all you're interested in is a quick thing, you can go in, you can sign. If you want to know a little bit more, um, uh, there were a series of lawyers that were talking about trying to challenge the rule. Uh, I do not know the status of that, though. They had to have done their filings in the last few days. So we should be hearing back on that if they went through with it and did it you know sometimes lawyers talk a game and they're trying to get somebody to fund them to do something and if nobody funds them they don't do it Mm -hmm. so we'll hear back on that 
Uh, there was discussion about a class action lawsuit. So certainly if you have gone in or any of your listeners have gone in, they are a caregiver and they were going in to buy for themselves or for someone else and they were turned away, uh, go ahead and document that. And when you go and sign the petition, it'll give you an opportunity to take the survey let us know in the survey that that's been your experience. That was kind of what we were looking to gather as much as anything else was, you know, how are patients being affected? Um, in a class action lawsuit like that, typically there will be lawyers who will, someone will pay the lawyers, uh, be it the dispensaries or the fill in the blanks. But again, if this is that big game of chess and we're all pawns, then selling me, um, what is it, 28,000 milligrams in the next 35 days on the medical market tax-free and then selling me another couple ounces taxed doesn't hurt the people who are selling it. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't wounded. So why no. would they pay for a class action lawsuit? The patient who wasn't able to get all of the medicine that they need. <clears throat> now, Again, there is an exemption form. You can go back mm-hmm. and consult with your attorney. And if your attorney, or I'm sorry, your, doc, Physician. your doctor, uh, and if your doctor believes that you uh, do need a higher milligram daily dose limit, they can ask for that. My big concern with that is we've seen more than a few doctors prosecuted. Well, they're licensed challenged, which might as well be prosecution. They have to hire an attorney. They have to defend their license, which is their livelihood, if not their freedom. Uh, now, we've had most of them have been successful in their challenges. But if a doctor starts giving a whole bunch of exceptions and he's not working with terminal cancer patients, they're going to be looking at his license. So. Uh, come a long way, still have a long way to go. Uh, programs like this and loyal followers that stay enlightened and make sure that their friends know better uh, is the way we win. And that was our interview with Jody James. We love having her on the show and just seeing her anytime we're out at events. You can connect with her or and her organization, flcan.org is the website. Or uh, please follow her on Instagram at flcan. Yeah, check out flcan.org to see how you can contribute or become a member to locally here in Florida fight the cannabis fight. Absolutely. And that's the end of the show. And that's the end of the show. Hey. Da, 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 da. Thank you. If, if you're still here, you yeah. you you love us. <laughs> yeah, let's get married. Let's get you married. You should be a patron <laughs> if, if you're still here. Uh, uh, yes look at these beautiful pictures of all of our i love these pictures i know i need to i need to make a video we need to start planning our next vacation with them yes coming up on the one year anniversary of that trip absolutely uh thank you sponsors so much our our lovely patrons our og patrons yanni destiny lauren jesse christy denise peaches natalie angelina jenny Catherine, jay chrissy guillermo diane and and Gabby. gabby I said that weird. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Do we have anything else up there? Yeah, just, you know, we love you. (laughs) (laughs) Become a patron, bro. What are you waiting for? Subscribe, rate, review. Check out our website. Come on the Bud Crawl. We love you. See you next week. I know. Yeah, see ya. (laughs) Peace out.